Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. John's first epistle as a continuation of his gospel stresses the eternal life and specifically the fellowship or flow of this divine life that is available for all of us as his children to experience. But though our salvation is unconditional, there are conditions for us to stay in the fellowship of life experientially. The first of these conditions is found in chapter 1, and this is a basic requirement for every believer to maintain their enjoyment of Christ as life. 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 and 9. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from every sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Keeping short accounts by confessing our sins before God is vitally important. But John brings us another important condition for maintaining the fellowship of life, and that is to love the brothers. Bob Danker is here as we uh, jump into this very good fellowship that helps us all, doesn't it, Bob, in our experience of Christ as life? It certainly does. It's somewhat unusual to think that loving the brothers is a requirement for maintaining the fellowship of life. But as we will see in this broadcast, it is really so. If we don't have the genuine brotherly love, then our fellowship will be interrupted. We will have many problems with the fellowship of life. Bob, I'd like to just insert this. It may not be the central point of our program today, but I think it's something that uh, should not be overlooked. And that is, in the context of this book, uh, John's presentation here, not just of the eternal life, the divine life, as a kind of an objective matter of the truth, but really it's an experiential book, as we've seen. The context is not individual spirituality, uh, even from the very beginning in its presentation, is it? That's right, Chris. Uh, Actually, uh, we need to be spiritual, but... If our view is just to have a kind of individual spiritual experience, we will really miss what is in God's heart. What is in God's heart is to have a corporate body, a corporate people who are built up together, who live together in the divine love, and who enjoy the divine fellowship as a whole, an entity, a corporate entity. And this is really the goal of God's economy. I think our program today will have a renewing effect on our uh, understanding and apprehension of these uh, these wonderful matters. I think this matter of confessing sins for our individual walk is something that is basic to, to many believers, hopefully most believers. But to see uh, the matter of the love of the brothers as an equally important factor, I think this is new to most of us. So why don't we join uh, Witness Lee, Bob, and then we'll come back to fellowship on this important point. Let me check with you to keep our fellowship in the divine life. What loving the brothers is the final point. For what is the divine fellowship? You think about it. The divine fellowship is to enjoy the riches of the divine life, right? But for what purpose? The fellowship to enjoy the riches of the divine life 
is for the church life. Don't forget, in chapter one, John says this divine fellowship is firstly with the apostles. So in Acts two forty two, this fellowship is called the apostles' fellowship. And when the apostles are mentioned, that refer to the church. The apostles are the representation of the church, even in the New Jerusalem. The principle will be still there. You know, the New Jerusalem bears the twelve names of the twelve apostles. It means this fellowship is for the church life. Not only so, eventually this fellowship is called the fellowship of the Spirit. In Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen, the grace of Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit. What does this mean? This simply means this fellowship is carried out by the Spirit. Now, such a fellowship is altogether for the church life. It is not merely something for our enjoyment, not merely something for our experience. It is something ultimately for the church life. So, for the church life, there is the need not only of. Confessing of sin, but there's also need of loving the brothers. Just confessing sin is not adequate. It needs the loving of the brothers, because the church life is altogether a matter between the brothers. If we don't love each other, then where's the church life? When the brother love is gone, the church life is finished. The church life actually is just the brother love. Bob, we use this term "church life" uh, fairly often in this ministry, and to some people, I think, particularly when they first begin to listen or uh, read uh, the ministry of uh, Witness Lee, it's a new term and it needs a little uh, definition. But we can't miss it, at least in its thought or concept, can we? When we touch these uh, verses in First John chapter two, verses nine and ten, he who says he is in the light yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause of stumbling in him. We can confess our sins uh, individually before God and, and experience a benefit, but there's a further requirement that implies something corporate, isn't there? That's right, Chris. Fellowship, as we sometimes say, has two components. One is we call vertical, is between us and the Lord. And we may say the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is something related to our vertical fellowship, our contact with God, our enjoyment of the divine life between us and the Lord. But there is a definite horizontal component to fellowship, and that involves the brothers. And here we see that the brothers or the saints, the believers in the church, are represented by the apostles. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, John said, What we have seen and heard we report to you that you may have fellowship with us. That's the apostles. Then he said, truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So here in this one verse, we can see the two components of fellowship, the vertical with God 
and the horizontal with the believers. And really, this fellowship is really just one fellowship. We enjoy God through the fellowship we have with him, and we also enjoy God through our fellowship with one another. And the result of this enjoyment is something we call the church life. Uh, When we think of the church, we think either of a group of believers or of a place that we go for meetings a few times a week. But God's intention is that the church would be our reality 24 hours a day, and we would have a church life. We would have a relationship with the believers that doesn't depend only on certain set times that we gather each week. It's a life, a relationship among ourselves that depends on fellowship. Fellowship is a joint, a joint participating, a joint enjoying of the eternal life of God. So we have this enjoyment jointly or together. And it, of course, uh, when we get into this context, we certainly realize We need to love one another. Mm. How can we jointly enjoy the triune God and his riches of his divine life in fellowship if we don't have love for the brothers? So John says here, you know, if we hate our brother, then we're in darkness. If we're in darkness, we're out of the fellowship. That's for sure. Right. So John is concerned not just for the believer's individual spirituality. He's concerned for what God cares for, and that is that all his people— would live together a church life in the reality of the body of Christ, there being the one body. This is a life in brotherly love. These passages, such as this portion in 1 John, really uh, underscore that in the emphasis in God's Word is very much on the organic or life relationship aspect of the church as opposed to the organizational or institutional, uh, wouldn't you say? I would say that, yes. The more institutional and organizational we become in our thinking, the farther away we get from the reality of the church life. It is not an organizational matter. It's an organic matter. It's a matter of life. It's a matter of our living. It's a matter of our enjoying of the divine life, not only individually, but also corporately. I would say in a daily way. Bob, um, these next two sections are going to be related, but I think in a, a very important way, because we can encourage one another that we should love the brothers. But I don't know about you. I can speak for myself. Uh, many times my love for the brothers just seems to run out, as does my patience and my uh, ability to control my temper and all the other things. So we need a supply. And that is uh, related so closely to uh, the Word of God, which John also presents in this passage or this portion in 1 John. Chapter 2, verse 5 says, But whoever keeps his word truly in this one, the love of God has been perfected. In this we know that we are in him. Bob, we're looking for the love of God with which to love the brothers, aren't we? We certainly are, Chris. Okay, here's Witness Lee again. The divine fellowship is for the church life. And this fellowship could only be maintained by brother love. Brother love is the issue, is the result of this divine fellowship. And you have to realize, this issue is also the term of the divine fellowship. It is the condition. It is also the issue. It is both the condition and the issue. What is this? That is, all the time, brother love. Brother love. 
we ourselves can never make it. The only way to make it is to know the Lord. To know the Lord. And to take his word, to take his word simply means to receive his divine supply. And his divine supply is always contained within the word and it is always conveyed by his word to us. So this is the channel. Just like electricity comes from a power plant to the building through the wire. You see, the wire is the container of the electricity. It is also the conveyor of the electricity that conveys electricity into this building. The word of the Lord is just the wire. If you have the wire into this building, electricity comes. If you take the word, the heavenly electrical supply comes. We must learn to know the Lord experientially. In knowing him, we take his word. This is why we need pre-reading. You need to take the word. And the word is the very channel that brings us the divine supply. Bob, the Word of God is many things to us as believers, and uh, I, I think we often come back to the Word in this aspect or that one. But let's consider it today in this context as a uh, conveyor or a channel for the divine supply. This is marvelous, Chris. Um, actually, uh, we all know that we should love one another, but as you mentioned, and we all experience, we are short. We just uh, don't have the capacity within ourselves to love all the believers. We love some, maybe, but not all, because some are peculiar to us, right? But God's desire is that we would love all the believers. So we need a supply. We need the divine love to fill us, the love of God, the love that is God himself, to fill us. And God wants to supply us with all the riches of his divine being, uh, which include love, but he needs a channel, a conduit, so to speak, so that he can channel his uh, supply into us. And this channel, marvelously, mm. is the Word of God. The Word of God is not just some uh, objective teachings in the Bible. It is like an electrical wire that contains an electrical heavenly current. <laughs> and this current is God himself flowing into our being to supply us with what God is, which is love, light, and so many things, so that we can love the brothers. So every day, we need to come to the Word, not just to learn something objectively as a truth, but we need to come to the Word in the way of prayer, to contact the Lord and to receive His supply through the Word. The Word is a channel of supply of God Himself, to flow into our being so we can receive God as our supply through his word. This is marvelous. Then we have the capital, we have the capacity yeah. to love all the brothers, even the ones we think are somewhat peculiar. <laughs> Somehow, there's just a love that wells up within us for every brother in the Lord. 
You mentioned taking the word by prayer. We had uh, Witness Lee actually use this term to pray read or pray reading. This is not something overly mystical, as, as we've mentioned before in this program. This is a practice that countless saints through the ages have discovered, and it's simply just as it implies. It's taking the word of God, incorporating that in our prayer, praying the word back to God. And uh, we have found an immeasurable supply this way, haven't we? Absolutely, Chris. This is really the way to take God's Word. If we read it without prayer, we will have a difficult time receiving the supply. But if we pray, we turn the words that we read into prayer to contact the Lord, to have fellowship with Him, then something of His riches will flow into us, and we will enjoy the supply of His life. And in this life, there's love, there's light, and there's every positive thing. As we've seen now uh, through the first uh, three weeks of this life study of First John, um, the matter of light and the matter of fellowship, uh, these things are closely related. We saw early on, and it's been uh, mentioned before, we'll see it again in this coming section, we're talking about now the very essence, the very nature of God when we're talking about love and light and how the Word and our uh, really getting swallowed up in the fellowship of the divine life has this result. Ultimately, it just funnels us right into God's very being. Here's Witness Lee once more. Whenever you receive the word, the divine essence as a supply comes in the expression of light. Then in the light is the essence of God's being. That is his love. When you receive the word, light comes. When that comes, automatically love is here. You love. Firstly, you love him. And you love him not by your own love. You love him by his love. Then, when you love him, you love everyone he begets. For you love the Father, you love everyone of his children. So we love the brother. When we receive the word by parading, we get light. In the light, we have love. Love to our God. And then we love the saints. Let me testify to you. If in the morning, I didn't have this kind of experience. Then in the day, I met you on the road. I may say, how are you? Just like this. But if in the morning, I have this kind of experience, receiving the word, getting the light, and in the light, ah, love came. I have a strong sensation that I love the Lord. Then, in the day you met me, I tell you, uh-huh, I would have a kind of sensation, you are lovable. And I would have a kind of response of love. I would not be that cold. I would be very warm. Many of us do have this experience. So you could see to keep this kind of a love that we may have the fellowship for the church life, we need to know the Lord experientially. And in knowing the Lord, we take the word 
time after time. In taking the word, we receive light. In this light, automatically, love comes. Love comes. When love comes, that is a strong sign that the Lord himself comes. Then we just love. And we love him, and we love his children. I tell you, this loving of the children of God is the church life. Uh, Bob, in the prior section, Witness Lee mentioned that the matter of loving the brothers or loving the saints is both an issue and a requirement, a condition for the fellowship of the divine life. Here we see it on the uh, issue aspect, I think, uh, emphasized. And this cycle or progression that comes from us first beginning with the Word of God, and then why don't you pick it up from there and, and lead us through this wonderful cycle of life. This is a tremendous revelation, Chris. When we come to the Word of God and we read it prayerfully, with prayer to the Lord, to contact the Lord, opening ourselves to Him, then something wonderful takes place within us. We sense within that something is shining within us. There's light. Mm. The Word of God is full of light. And when we read it prayerfully, we sense or we receive the light. We're enlightened by the Word. Actually, this light that shines within us through the Word is God himself. So this is God shining within us. So in this light is all the riches of what God is, including love. So in this portion of his epistle, John does relate love and light. He says, if we love the brothers, we abide in the light. We're in the light. So light and love go together. They are always together. Whenever we receive the light, the love is there. The supply of love and the divine love comes into us through the shining of the divine light. Then we have the deep sensation that we love the Lord. We might even tell the Lord, Lord, I just love you. This is a wonderful experience to tell the Lord definitely that we love him. And then when we meet the brothers and we see them, we just have a similar sensation. We just love the brothers. We may not vocalize it all the time, but deep within, we have this feeling, and they can sense whether we love them or not, right? And this love is actually the essence of the church life. Wow. So this is a marvelous cycle or sequence, receiving the Word, being enlightened by God, shining through His Word into our being, and then this loving essence of God coming into us to supply us with the divine love with which we love God— and we love the brothers. It seems, uh, Bob, that it is definitely a condition of life. It's also the issue of this kind of experience of life you just so marvelously described. In another sense, it's kind of a test of life as well, as the verse uh, in chapter 1 says, if we uh, say that we're in the light, but we hate the brothers, then in a sense our living, our testimony is a lie. It's also a test, isn't it, of what we are experiencing, whether or not it's genuine. It's a very, very good test, Chris. Well, I love this kind of fellowship. It's got so many practical aspects that assist us all in our experience, and it opens us to new vistas that are available. This was really, I think, what was occupying, at least in part, the heart of the apostle as he penned this uh, epistle and really commit all of these messages uh, to the Lord that so many of his seeking ones would be helped by this kind of fellowship. Yes, Chris, John wanted the believers to enjoy the, the divine life, but he wanted this enjoyment to be expressed in love. That is the church life. Wow. 
Well, the printed messages are available, two volumes for 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Jude. Uh, if you'd like to get these uh, volumes, contact us. You can call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can send us an email to radio at lsm.org. And uh, I'm glad to be back. Been gone for a couple of weeks. Matt Miller has been here and uh, kind of picked up where we left off. I was uh, involved in a program that was very much on these uh, similar points, but I think this took it at another level. So I'm looking forward as this uh, live study continues and hope you'll be able to come back for many more, Bob. I hope so too, Chris. And we will return tomorrow, Lord willing. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. The Gospel of John unveils the New Testament reality of the types of Christ conveyed in the Old Testament tabernacle and offerings. The reality of the five main offerings in Leviticus serve as the examples in the first 12 chapters of John, and in chapters 13 through 17, the Gospel of John unveils the New Testament reality of the type of the tabernacle. The fulfillment of the tabernacle and the offerings in the writings of John is now available Get your copy today by calling 1-800-549-5164.